0: Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. This is Pastor Caleb, and I just want to say thanks for joining in. Today is a message starting a new series. Um, we're starting a new series called Living Among Lions, and the the whole series is, is based on the book of Daniel. It's kind of a study through the book in the Bible, and the, the main theme is all centered around living in a culture that doesn't agree with what we believe, that isn't living the way God has called us to live. And so how do we live up to what God has called us to in a culture that just doesn't see things the way that we do? And Daniel has experienced a lot of um, some similar situations that we will in our life. We can learn a lot from him. And so these next few weeks, we'll be looking at Daniel's life and what we read about him in the Bible and how we can apply that to our life as well. Now this week, Uh, pastor Aaron is sharing and he's talking about how to stand up and say no to stand on the word of God on what he has called us to do even when culture is doing things a little bit different and it's interesting it's really cool how we can actually start to shift culture around us when we start to stand up for what we really believe God has called us to do so let's listen in here's pastor Aaron
1: Well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. For everyone joining us online, we want to welcome you. And if it's your first time joining us, we are excited that you're with us. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And we're glad that you're with us. We're kicking off this brand new series called Living Among Lions living among lions. And this is a study through the book of Daniel. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks, and we're going to walk through different stories in the book of Daniel and see what God's Word has to say to us and how God wants to challenge us through His Word. And so we're going to kind of just be in this one book over the next few weeks. And you don't have to have been around church that much, and you may know some of the stories of Daniel, or at least be somewhat familiar with them, Daniel in the lion's den, Um, or the story of the three Hebrew young men who are thrown into the fiery furnace and they survive. And so these are some of the kind of the epic stories, but we're going to look at a lot of different stories and, and what God wants to say to us and how this book is kind of timely for us right here, right now, and where we live at. And so I wanna start just by giving us kind of an idea of what's taking place in the book of Daniel in case you've never read it and you don't have to be that familiar with the book to walk along with us. Um, I wanna encourage you, if you missed it this past week, um, we'll put another one out this Thursday, but Theology Thursday, um, I had the privilege of sitting down with John Jones Um, who many of you guys see every week up on our keys, and we just dialogued a little bit about the background and the culture of this book, and he did such a great job kind of filling us in on what's going on, and so I want to encourage you guys to look at that um, on Theology Thursday, but a quick snapshot. The people of God had this pattern in their life that we sometimes have, and it was this. Everything was going good, And things are, you know, it's kind of everything's firing on every cylinder. Finances are good. Family's good. They're kind of kicking back. They're living in luxury. And so they get this idea of, God, why do we need you in our life? Like we seem to be doing okay on our own. And so they begin to live in ways, they begin to develop patterns and thoughts in their minds of, God, we don't really need you. We kind of feel like we have this. And so thank you for your help up until this point, but we can do this. And they begin to push God out of their lives. They begin to push God out of their society, out of their culture, until God says, okay, if you don't want me to be a part of your life, I won't. And God's blessing, God's provision, God's protection that they weren't thinking about all of this time is removed from their life. And all of a sudden now other kingdoms are coming in and attacking them. There's famine. There's situations that are overwhelming them. And what do they do? They cry out to God. We do this, don't we? God, if I just pass this one test, I promise I'll always study. God, if I get this promotion, I'll go to church every Sunday. God, if you'll just get me through this financial situation, I'll give more. That's what the people of God would do. God, just get us out of this situation we're in. And God, because he's loving and compassionate, would come in and rescue them through different leaders, through different kings. He would bring prophets in that would direct the people's heart back to God. And then they would fall into this same pattern. Everything would be going good. And that's where they found themselves in. That's where we find ourselves in many times. And so what God does is he begins to warn the people, hey, this isn't just a one-time thing. You're falling into this same rhythm over and over again. And God begins to raise up prophets and leaders that say, hey, if you continue this, the destruction's going to get worse. If you keep pushing me out of your life more and more, and you keep taking away my hand of protection and my blessing over your life, things are going to get worse, and that's where they find themselves out. Now they're no longer facing famine or just oppression in their own land. They're taken into captivity. So this is one of the first times we read of the people of God not being in the promised land that God had given them after he brought them out of slavery. And so now they're not in kind of the land of Israel, what we imagine, but they're in a distant country. They're in Babylon. They're under a new king. They're in a different culture that they don't fully understand. They're following leaders who did not know God's word, who did not know the Bible, who did not follow after the principles and the way of, that they lived honoring their life towards God, but now they're in a culture that's living in a totally different way. And they're having to wrestle through this idea and begin to walk, how do we remain followers of God? How do we stand out in a culture many times that is opposed to us or even against us? And how do we still honor God with our life? And this is kind of an overarching theme. And that's where we get the imagery of living among lions, because that's really where the people of God were. They were in a culture many times that wanted their destruction, that wanted to destroy their belief, their faith, their trust in God, that did not have their best interests in mind. And sometimes we find ourselves in that exact same spot. We may forget it at times, but we do live in a culture many times that does not believe what we believe and doesn't value what we value and doesn't honor the way that we live and our life being given towards God. And so that's that imagery of living among lions. And I wanted you to be able to picture this this morning. So imagine with me if you woke up this morning and you're feeling pretty good. And so you're like, I'm gonna go on a walk. It's a nice kind of day out. It hasn't gotten really hot yet, Um, And so I'm going to go on a walk. So you get in some clothes that are comfortable, okay? You make your way out of your house or where you're staying at right now, and you begin um, to walk down your street, make a couple of turns, and all of a sudden, as you come around one corner, you see something that looks a little bit like this. Now, it doesn't matter how brave you are. If you see this coming at you, you're going to have some feelings inside of your your heart right there, right? Your emotions are going to start to swell. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a place to hide. I'm looking for a way out because those animals are very intimidating. And that's kind of the picture that we get as we walk through the book of Daniel, as we begin to look at this, that. We're living sometimes in the midst of a society, in the midst of a culture that wants to destroy us, that seems to want to attack us in our beliefs, and we have to begin to look, God, how do we live in a way that honors you? How do we live in a way that still points to who you are, God, in your goodness, that we are followers of you? And there was this balance that the people of God had to kind of walk through. On one hand, they're in a different city, they're in a different nation, and God tells them, hey, you're not trying to politically overthrow the government of Babylon. That's not why I've put you here. So he's like, this isn't a political thing that you're doing. But he does tell them, pray for the prosperity of the city that you're in. Because if Babylon has food, You have food because that's where you live. If Babylon has jobs, you have jobs because that's where you live. If Babylon is successful, then you'll experience some of that blessing. That's where you live. Pray for the prosperity of the place where they were in. Build houses. Get married. Have families. Like Be a part of that community. God was saying that. But on the other hand, there's this challenge to the people of God. There's this challenge that we have in a very similar way that we would not just kind of Kind of sink in or ooze into the culture around us, and just begin to blend in with them around it. And so he was saying, "Hey, but I'm still calling you to live differently." I'm still calling you to live the way that I have called you to live, to be different, even in the midst of that culture. And so he's challenging them to live in a different way, to honor them with their, their life. And so throughout this book, we'll kind of see this theme continue to come up. And it's this right here. The culture around you wants to get inside of you, but you have been called out to change it. And story after story, page after page, chapter after chapter in the book of Daniel, there's this culture that is trying to get inside the people of God. And God's reminding them, no, I've called you to stand out. I've called you to be different. I've called you to be into that culture, to change it. And so that's what we're going to look at. And this was the true mission that God had called his people all along to be. He had placed them as a nation so that the surrounding nation would see the light of God, that they would look at the people of God and say, wait, there's something different. They're not like everyone else. They're not doing what everyone else is doing. There's something unique about them. And I want to be like them. And the people of God failed miserably at that. And so God says, hey, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to put you even in closer proximity with people so that you can be a light I'm gonna make you rub shoulders with people a little bit more closely so that you can be the example so that if you follow after me, your life, the way that you live, your attitude, your thought process, people are gonna look at you and they're gonna say, wait, there's something different about you and I wanna know what that is. I wanna know more about that and what it is that drives you, what's in your heart, what's going on in your life. That's what God wanted for his people. He said, I'm putting you as a light in the midst of darkness and this is kind of a second chance for the people of God To live out this mission. And so we'll see this every week, how God is challenging his people, how they're stepping up to this call that God has. And so today, in this first message, I want to share with you in this conversation a message that I'm calling, You Are What You Eat. So turn to someone around you and say that to them. You are what you eat. And we're going to see this in the the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 1. And we're gonna start reading at verse three, Daniel chapter one, verse three. Um, We don't have the blue Bibles that we typically have in the seats in front of you. So maybe take out your smartphone or if you have your Bibles, um, you can turn there or just Google that on your smartphone, you'll get there, okay? So Daniel chapter one, verse three. And once again, a, a little bit of an understanding, they're in captivity. There are a few main characters in the book of Daniel. No surprise, but one of them is a man named Daniel. And he has three close friends or or companions that are with him that are also Hebrews. They're of the Jewish faith. And so we see their story along with Daniel as we walk through this book. To give you a little bit of context, Daniel was not an older man at this point. Him and his friends were probably in their late teens, early 20s. That's kind of how you're picturing them as we begin to start the book. But we're gonna see Daniel age and we're gonna see him also um, as an older individual and continue to grow in his faith and his influence in the kingdoms that God has placed him in. And so that's where we start out in Daniel chapter one. And this is what it says in verse three. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, Showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And this is what was going to happen. He was going to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. That's important to note. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine. They were going to eat the food from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service, they were going to serve the king. And then in verse 6, among those who were chosen from, from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishal, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And those are hard to say all right in a row there. Okay, so, so here's what's taking place. And it's interesting because for some reason, Daniel is still referred to it by his Hebrew name all throughout the book, really. There's one or two times um, he's referred to by Belshazzar, but most of the time Daniel. Um, his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, are usually referred to by their Babylonian names. But the king is doing what he's doing on purpose, and the leaders are because there's this idea as he begins um, to take these people into captivity. What he's saying is, is, We want you to become like us. That's the whole goal of this. So, for three years, you're gonna learn our literature, our language, our poems, our stories, our songs. What's on the radio of Babylon, that's what you're gonna listen to. That's kind of what he's telling them. We want you to become like us. Learn everything that we do and learn to be like us. That was the goal. And so he changed their language like they taught them this new language so they could speak like the Babylonians. Eat the food of the Babylonians. So you're gonna eat like us. Even though where you came from, you may have eaten some different things. Now you're gonna be just like us. And even really altering and trying to alter their identity. Their names meant something. In the Hebrew culture, a name had a weightiness to it. It had a significance of what your parents, the blessing they were speaking over your life. And they were saying, hey, we're gonna change that as well. You're taking on a new identity because we want you to be like us. And as we walk through this book and even through this first chapter, we see this, that all around now, the people of God, Daniel and his friends, there is this call of the culture around them. There's this call of the culture around them to be like them, to kind of blend in, to just mix in with what everyone else is doing around them. There had to be this tug that you're in a new place, right? You're trying to learn everything that's going on. The king is saying, hey, you're going to be like us because we want to give you influence. We want to give you leadership. And so we need you to teach others how to be like us. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to train you for three years. And so there was this tug in their heart to be like and to assimilate and and to just blend in with what everything else that was going on around them. And then this other pull on their life, this call of God to stand out, to be different, to be unique, to continue to follow not the ways of the culture that they were in, but what God had lined out for their life. And so there had to be moments kind of of this struggle in their life, of this challenge of, of God, how do we do that? How do we live in a place, pray for its blessing, pray for its prosperity, but not allow the outside culture to get in us in a way that's destructive to our faith, that's destructive to our beliefs and what it is that you've called us to? There was this call of the culture that was constantly like pulling at them and tugging at them and calling for them. And make no no mistake, although we're separated by thousands of years, we're in a very similar place. That every day you may walk into a workplace where you're surrounded by people who do not believe what you believe and who do not think like you think, and they don't value what you value, and yet you're called to pray for their prosperity, to pray for God to bless them, but not to allow that outside culture to get inside of you in a way that's destructive, not to answer that call in a way that you lose what it is that God has placed in your life. That's where they find themselves. Students, when you walk into school, when you walk into your workplace, students, when you're around friends, sometimes there's that tug and that pull to be like them, to blend in, not to stand out. And that's not who God has called you to be. There's two calls going on here, and God is challenging them to stand out and to be different. That's the way that Christ calls us to live. That's what God has always called us to do, and not to take the easy path, and sometimes it's easier just to kind of go with the flow of culture, but to be different, to deny ourselves To not live just according to our wants and our desires, but to follow after the voice of God, to allow his word to be the foundation of our life. And that's why we say here at NCC that scripture shapes our lives. It's because there's this call of culture that wants to pull at us and that wants to tug at us. And yet we have this call of God on our life to be different, to stand up to allow our voice to be heard, even when those around us maybe are not living in that way. And so that's where Daniel and his friends find themselves. And so we read on in first Daniel, or in Daniel chapter one, verse eight, it says this, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. You can underline that or highlight that in your Bible, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. So he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. And the official said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king. He has assigned you your food and drink. He's told you what to eat and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would have my head because of you. And so what Daniel is saying is, hey, we want to be different. We want to stand out. So we're saying, no, we're not going to eat the king's food that he's placed in front of us. We're choosing to live differently than everyone else around us. And the, the official there, he likes Daniel. He likes his friends. Um, but he's a little nervous. He's like, hey, the king's got some really great food here. Okay, He's got some delicious stuff to eat. And if you're just eating like water and vegetables... That's not gonna be okay. You're gonna look a lot different than everyone else. And so like, I don't want the king to get upset at me because of this. And yet Daniel and his friends, they continue to go to this official. They continue to have this conversation of, hey, we're gonna stand up and we're saying no. We're standing up and we're saying no. And that was a definite decision in their life that had to be difficult. And that idea, we say that jokingly, you are what you eat, But in this sense, it it had some validity there that by partaking of this, they were entering into the culture around them in a way that they did not feel comfortable with. And they were saying, hey, we we need to kind of make a line here in the sand, if you will, draw a mark that that there's a distinction here because we're marked with God in our life. Like God has placed his hand upon us and, and the blessing of God is over us. And so there was something distinct about the way that they were living. So they stood up and they said, no. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna defile ourselves in that way. And they chose to live a different way. And by making that mark, they were saying, hey, our thought process is different. The idea is that we live our life by the, even every part of our life, God has to say in everything that we do, even in the food that we eat. And so we're not gonna defile ourselves in this way. Now, just take a moment and think about how difficult that must have been. Every day to go to that table, Over the past couple of weeks, I've been altering my eating just a little bit to be a little bit more healthy. And there are so many moments when my family's sitting down and eating, and I just start to drool, you guys. I'm like, that looks so good. Like, I just want a little bit of that pizza or the hot dogs or the burgers or whatever it is that they're partaking that I'm kind of saying no to right now. Like, there's that difficulty in the moment, and that's what it had to be like for Daniel's friends. They're saying no to some delicious barbecue to some amazing burritos or whatever the food was there of Babylon, right? They're saying no because they want to stand out. There's a distinction that they're making that their life is different, that God has called them to live a different way. And so they choose to do that even in the midst of a difficult decision, because we can really be tempted by some good food, but yet they choose to stand up and say, hey, there's a distinction here. God has called us to be different. Now, I don't know that every food that they were eating was wrong or every food at the king's table would have been wrong for them to eat, but they choose to say, hey, we're going to practice saying no to ourselves. And it it reminded me of a study in a a book called Habits that I read where they talk about this, that our ability to say no to ourselves is very important. Um, If you've been watching Tick, TikTok lately, right, where they do the marshmallow challenge in front of the little kids. It's kind of like that. Can you say no to yourself? Or if you've ever heard that study, because no is it's a depleting resource in our life. And so you only have so much no in your life. Okay, so you're at work and um, you ask your boss for something or, or maybe you're over people and they ask you for something and you have to say no. And all of your friends, they call you up, hey, we're gonna go out to eat, but you're on a budget, and so you have to say no. And then maybe your kids, or they say, hey, we're gonna go do something, do you wanna come with us, like, let's all, and you know, hey, it doesn't really work, it doesn't fit in my schedule, no. And all of a sudden, at the end of the day, it's like this. And you walk to the pantry and you open up that door and the bag of chips are calling out your name, and you have no more no left, you guys, right? Or the Oreos or whatever it is, like it's tempting you, your no is gone, it's been depleted. But we also know from these studies and from scientific studies and research and statistics that your no can grow, that you can actually develop the ability to say no to yourself, and it's like a muscle. And the more that you practice that, the more that you practice the ability to say no to yourself, the easier it is later and at different times to be able to say no, it kind of grows. You develop that, it's like a muscle, self-discipline, self-control. is like a muscle that you can grow inside of your life simply by practicing moments where you say no to yourself. That's a little bit like what Daniel is doing here because maybe all the food isn't wrong, but he chooses to say no because he knows there is gonna come a moment where it's not just about what he's eating, but it's about a sin issue. Hey, it's okay. Just come and be like us. Everyone else in Babylon does this. It's totally fine. And Daniel's going to have to say no, or it's a character issue. Daniel, you can lie about that. No, I mean, it's not even really going to matter. It's a character issue. And Daniel's going to have to say, no, I'm different. I'm not going to defile myself in that way. And you and I, we're in similar situations, right? Where the world around us, the culture around us so many times, they want you to have the inappropriate conversation and you have to say, no, that's not who I am. And it's been a stressful week. Come on, just come out and get drunk with us on a Friday night. It's going to be okay. And you're going to have to say, no, I choose to live differently. That's not who God has called me to be. Students, when you're at school and there's the inappropriate joke or they're making fun of someone else or they're gossiping and you have to say, no, I'm not going to defile myself like that. I choose to stand up and to be different. I choose to have a different voice. And you practicing no sometimes in the small things, like Daniel does here, in kind of the smaller things, it's going to be important because you're going to be faced with some more difficult situations where you're going to have to stand up and say, no, that's not who I am. I'm not going to defile myself like that. And even in a culture where it feels like we're living among lions that want to attack us and destroy us, we have to be strong enough and bold enough to stand up sometimes and say, No, that's not how God has called us to live. That's not who I am. That's not my identity. God has spoken something different over my life, and that's who I choose to be. And this is a very difficult thing. As I was thinking through this, you know, there are moments as we've raised our teenage kids, where we've had to have conversations like this and where we've had to sit down and talk about what are the influences you're allowing in your life? Who are the people you're allowing to speak into your life? How are they influencing you? Are they encouraging you? Are they bringing you down? What's that like in your life? And they're not always easy conversations. Sometimes these have been difficult. And um, I won't mention who it was, they may be watching. But I remember this one conversation that I was having um, with one of our kids, and we were talking about this. Hey, you've just got to guard your heart sometimes. You're going to have to say no to things that are difficult. And one of our kids said, but dad, it's so hard because everyone else is doing it. And I was like, yeah, you're right, but you're not everyone else. You're called to be different. And while everyone else is doing it, they're looking at you if you're gonna be that light, if you're gonna be that voice, if you're gonna be that reflection of God in that moment that they need to see even when maybe they're caving into the pressure, it's hard, you guys. It's like living among lions sometimes. It's scary at moments, but God has called us to stand up at times and to say, no, that's not who we are. We value something different. We see this world from a different perspective and from a different view. And that's what God calls us to. That's the life that we're called to live, to stand up, not to be like everyone else. And this is what God was challenging his people with. And so in Daniel chapter one, verse 11, it says this, Daniel then said to the guard who was among the chief that was appointed over them, and Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please put your servants to the test for 10 days. Let's just try this out for a little bit. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink compare our appearance with the young men who eat the royal food, treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And so he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. And then in verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away the choice food from them and the wine, and they were given water to drink and vegetables to eat instead. And as I read this, what is going on and kind of the principle that Daniel and Hananiah and Azrael and Mishael that they're setting in this instance is they're choosing something different. They're choosing something different. Once again, all of the food there may have not been against what they were eating, but they're choosing to live in a different way. And one of the commentaries that I read, it said it like this, Daniel chose the simple life. Daniel chose the simple life that he was choosing this different way to live that was simply kind of, in many ways, a simpler way to live. As I mentioned, I've altered the way that I'm eating, and I've noticed something. I think about food so much. I don't know if you guys do this, okay? But I think about food so much. What am I going to eat? I've just finished lunch, but what's for dinner, right? Like, do we have any snacks? What am I going to do until I eat the next time? And, And as I've kind of simplified, it's helped me because Food doesn't eat up so much of my focus right now, so much of my time. And it's difficult because we have so many choices, right? And I'm pretty sure that DoorDash is of the devil when at any moment I can call you guys and they're gonna deliver McDonald's or or Papa John's or whatever it is, right? Chick-fil-A right to my doorstep and I can have whatever I want. And all of these choices, right? All of these thoughts. And yet Daniel chooses this simpler way to live. In the, in, the mix, in the midst of a culture that is full of complexity, Daniel chooses simple so that God remains the main focus, the center focus of his life. Everything else that may try to crowd that out and not the, the delicious food, there was anything wrong with that because I love some good food. But he was saying, hey, maybe if I remove this, remove a little bit of the complexity, the rich food of the king, maybe it'll help me to keep God at the center a little bit more. Daniel chose the simple life and to say, God, you have my focus. And my life is not going to be controlled by anything else, the culture around me, even what the king dictates. But Lord, I'm trying to follow your voice and your leadership. And so I'll choose something a little bit simpler. I'll scale back a little bit in this area because, God, it'll help me to focus in on you more. That's what Daniel is choosing. And in a culture that wants to make your life so complex. Have you watched the latest Netflix series? Have you binge-watched this show? Do you know what's going on here so you can have this conversation with this person? Do you have the newest device? Do you have the newest technology? Are you updating all of the time so you have all of the latest features? Do you know all of the features on your phone? I'm still finding out stuff that my phone does that I had no idea it does, right? And the newest social media, now I have to have Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and and everything else, right? Snapchat, like there's all of these and, and I'm, And there's all of this complexity in your life. And maybe at times it's better just to scale back a little bit. And like Daniel, just to choose the simple life. Not saying any of those things are sin. But when they begin to control you, there's something wrong with that. And where you and I choose to just take a step back a little bit and say, God, I want to make sure you're still at the center. I want to make sure nothing else, God, with the busyness and the chaos of life, that nothing else takes you off the throne of my life, God, that you stay at the very center. And so Daniel chooses the simpler life. And that's what sometimes God has called us to do is to remove some of the complexity so that God doesn't get lost in the mix and that he is your focus and you hear his voice And all of the sounds of music and Hulu and TV shows and movies, all of those things don't drown out what's most important, the voice of God in your life, the word of God. And this is what Daniel is choosing. This is how he chooses to live just a simpler way. And the beauty of this is we're like Daniel in a new place, in a new culture, because we have been forced to stop. The past couple of months, Things have been taken out of our life, and you and I have this beautiful opportunity to choose what we reintroduce back into our life. You don't have to take everything back. All of the things you did before the beginning of this year and before COVID-19, they don't automatically have to come flooding back in just because everything's reopening. You get to pick and choose. And there may be some things in your life that were good, and maybe even things that you enjoyed, that you would choose in this moment to step back from, to scale back and to say, hey, I'm gonna choose not to reintroduce that into my life because I don't want God to be lost in the mix. I want him to stay at the center. I want his voice to be very clear in what I'm doing. I don't wanna just be like everyone else in the culture around me. I choose to live differently. And that's what we see in Daniel's life. That's the choice that we're faced with. In verse 17 and 20, look at the outcome of their decision. It says this in Daniel chapter one, verse 17. And these four young men, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. In verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the other magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. See, real influence isn't just blending into the culture around you. It's not looking like everyone else. It's standing out. And as these young men, Daniel and his friends, as they stood up and said, hey, we're not gonna defile ourselves in that way. We're not looking to just be like everyone else. We're not just gonna go with the flow where it's easy, but we're gonna stand up and allow God to be at the center of our life. As they did that, God blessed them. They were given influence. Now they find themselves speaking wisdom to the king over this entire empire. Now they don't just have a voice with a few friends. They have voice over nations and over kingdoms. Now they're speaking to other leaders and other political individuals because they have a wisdom that was found in their life that others did not possess because they chose to stand up and to be different from those around them to listen to the voice of God, to place God at the center of their life. And God bless them because of that. Church, if you want influence in your workplace, if you want influence with that family member, if you want influence with people in your neighborhood and in your community, it takes sometimes standing up and saying, no, that's not who I am. That's not how I live. That's not the things I value. I value something different because God has spoken this in my life. I have a different identity just than everyone else around me because God's called me with a purpose and a plan and it's to bring his light, to be his reflection to the world around me. It requires us to stand up and say no, requires us to sometimes scale back and choose the simple life so that God remains at the center of our hearts. And we, like Daniel, we find ourselves many times living among lions And the question is, how will you live? How will you live your life? How will your actions and your thoughts and your life stand out to reflect the goodness of God in a culture many times that is struggling with darkness and depression and despair and division? And God wants you to be a light to this world. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask if you would take a moment, maybe bow your head and close your eyes and those of you watching online, if you would do the same. And let's just reflect on what God's been challenging us with and what God's word has spoken to us this morning. You may be here and listening to this this morning and realize, God, I've just been trying to be like the world around me. Or maybe you're realizing, I find myself in this pattern of of trying to follow you for a little bit and then things go good and Then I think I've got it on my own and I begin to push you out of my life, but then things just fall apart again. And if that's you and you're sensing that, you're not hearing this by mistake, God's calling you close to him. God's inviting you into relationship with him. God's calling you for his purpose and his destiny and he's calling you out of the life that you've known into a better one. To follow him, to surrender to him. The gospel is very clear that we all left to ourselves, mess up our lives. We have this problem of sin, disobeying God, rebelling against God. We can't fix it on our own. We can't be good enough, we can't earn it, we can't do anything to deserve it. But God has freely given his love. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could know the love of God. And if that's you, I want us all to pray this together this morning, whether you've prayed this a 100 times before, or whether you're saying this the first time, I want you to say this out loud with me and those of you watching online, if you would do the same, let's pray this together. Jesus, I come to you and I realize I've sinned and I'm in need of your forgiveness. I invite you into my life. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate with those that may have prayed that for the first time? And if that's you, or if you're coming back to God and saying, I'm recommitting my life, we are excited for you. The Bible says that heaven throws a party and rejoices when just one person prays that prayer and we're believing that that God is giving you a brand new start that this is a new moment for you. And I want to pray one more prayer but this time I'm going to ask that you not just listen to me or repeat the words that I'm praying but that you would have a conversation with God. And in your own words, you don't have to say anything special and even if you've not prayed a lot before would you just talk to God and say God, help me to stand out in the way that I need to in my interactions and in my conversations in the way that I think, God, help me to be a reflection of you in a culture sometimes that's opposed to Christians and to the way that we think that God would help us to demonstrate his love. And so we're gonna pray together once again. I'm gonna lead out, but just in your own words, ask God to do that, that we would be that kind of church and that kind of people as we head into this week. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this reminder from your book. And Lord, what you've spoken to us to be your people, God, that even sometimes in difficult circumstances, God, that we would honor you, God, with our life, with the way that we live, Lord, our attitude, God, that we are called to be different. And Lord, you've called us out from the culture that we're in, Lord, to stand up and to put your goodness and your love and your righteousness on display. And so I pray, help us to be those kinds of people. Help us to say no when we need to say no, God. Help us to scale back and be a little bit simpler when we need to do that, God, so that you remain at the center of our life, God. And as we live that way, God, as we glorify you, God, as we put your righteousness and your goodness on display, God, let it change our families. Let it change our communities, God. Let our friends be impacted as they see your goodness, God, and your love flowing through our life, God. Let it bring hope to them in the points where they need hope, God. And we pray this in your name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message. Think about this. What is one way that your life is reflecting who God is? Maybe in your speech, some action that you can take, something you can say no to, or even like Daniel, what you eat. Choose one thing in your life and live that out intentionally this week and how you can reflect who God is, in the way that you live. Here at NCC we are all about making people and places new and we wanna know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.